Crafty Radio, episode 428, on July 1st, 2017. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we celebrate this Independence Day by riding the tire down the river Euphrates. Tiger, I should say. Riding the tiger down the river Euphrates. Very American. Very much so. Very what do we got, Jeff? Beers, man. Actually, a lot of beers. very American beers. Look at this. Well, one's not. We actually got a patriotic beer we here. We do. Might as well start with this one, huh? Uh, that or the Mexican lager. Let's do the cream ale. All right. So we have Bicentennial Cream Ale from St. Benjamin's. I saw this in Philly, and I was like, all right. I can go for a uh, for good cream ale. Let's see. St. Benjamin's is on North 5th Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 4.3% up by volume. 15 IBU. Uh, they use American Cluster hops. All right. So Cluster, I believe, just a bittering hop. Basically, you want to get... Pretty much. It's, uh, if you're making a period beer or an old-timey beer or even a, you know, 60s-era beer, Cluster is what you're going to use. So we have a color that is a straw. Slightly hazy. Slightly hazy. Actually smelling a bit of hops on there, just a bit. There's, it's it's, it's mostly grassy. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit of corn, a little sweet. First sniff, I was getting something a little bit like washed rind cheese or something like that. Uh, maybe yeah, caddy hops or something like I that. I think that's. I think that, that when you take this, the, all these malts together, mm-hmm. and you put, I think that that's like the initial thing. That huskiness then, or something. Yeah. It's interesting. I it's definitely smelling something kind of hoppy on there, which is okay. unexpected. It's weird. I mean, I'm gonna you know move on to the taste here in a second, but you know, it seems to me I'm smelling something that's kind of like lactic, though. I mean, I'm not. I haven't. Doesn't smell sour, but I'm getting this kind of little bit of. It could be. I mean, we'll see. We haven't yeah. tasted it either, but it's hard to get a lot of aroma out of a cream ale. It's not. Yeah, good. yeah. But I mean, other than that, you know, you're getting a, a pretty nice maltiness. It uh, it doesn't really come across very corny, but it does have kind of a bit of a wheat ish or like a lemony type aroma to it. Hmm. That's pretty hoppy for a cream ale. <laughs> In fact, I would yeah. I would say that it's uh, it really um, really kind of overdoing it on the hops there. It's because what I like when when I get a good cream ale to me, it has that cracked corn flavor, mm-hmm. um, sort of the fresh, not cream corn. Cream corn is bad, but the fresh like cracked right. corn. This I think. The underplay is that fresh cracked corn, but there's a lot of hops here. Yeah, you're getting a nice, nice, crisp corn bite. Mm-hmm. I think it works well with the malts. Um, yeah, there's a fair amount of bitterness here, but you're also getting the hop flavor. Hop flavor is kind of it's like a it's it's more it's it's mostly just bitterness. I mean, it really is bitterness, but it's like it's like plants, but it's like. It's like weeds, not weed, but weeds or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, like kind of like, I don't know, maybe someone when you're weeding the garden or something like that, you're getting something that's very, like, you get off the weeds there. There's no particular, like, fruit or something that it, very, that it resembles, other than if you can imagine something like very bitter. I suppose maybe a really bitter crab apple or something. Mm-hmm. 
Do you taste like a like a really light tang on this? Like I, I still, even with the flavor, I think there's like just a slight influence of something lactic in here. No. Okay. No, I don't. And I would normally be <laughs> jumping up front to, I mean, to get flaws, especially if it had um, some kind of uh, band-aid-y stuff in there. But, no, it's not band-aid-y. But yeah. It's, you know, it's a little bit, in the aroma, I was spilling something that was, like I said, washed wine trees or maybe a touch yogurty. It's nothing like that uh, white horse pilsner that we, right. that we had to pour out. Um, and then, I'm not really tasting anything like lack yogurty in the flavor, but I am getting kind of like a, a little bit of an acidic burn, like a little tang at the beginning. I guess there's something in there that I could associate that <clears throat> I might even associate with like wheat. So a little bit of a after tang, but also that could, could be just the fact that this is so heavy on the hops. I don't know. I'm getting it like right at the front is where I'm noticing it like kind of jabs into the tongue a little bit. I don't. I don't want to hang up on it. it. It's just a small thing. I'm just seeing if I could pilot you in there real quick. But it's it's no. not. It's not a big part of the review for me. It, it just. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's production. It's. I'm curious about it, but it's not really changing my overall impression of the beer. Yeah. Well, my my problem here is that this doesn't really taste like a cream ale, or at least what I would consider a, a cream ale. It, it, okay. It's way too bitter. Uh, the hops are playing too far too much of a note here um like they're overwhelming the the end of the beer which is where that nice cracked corn stuff definitely comes in on the aftertaste well just call it an imperial cream or something like that i guess you could do that but i mean it i think the the you 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 keep talking about how it's not the cream ale that you want well it's but how is the beer in its own right though We've talked before about how perception plays, mm-hmm. you know, and how how your perception, how what you think you're going to be getting plays right. a role. And I'm, I had my mindset for good cream ale, mm-hmm. and that is, uh, and so my mind is is now that whole conception is being shattered. So I now have to play mm-hmm. play that on its own terms. On its own terms, actually, I I, I kind of enjoy it. It's, it's nice and light. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a, a sort of Pilsner esque. It's, it, it's a little thicker, a little fruitier because of the ale. Because of the the corn type flavor that's in there, it reminds me of you know drinking one of my dad's Iron Cities, but with a beer that's just generally more pleasing. Right? It doesn't have that kind of astringency at the end. Right. The hops kind of fill it out. Uh, I uh, I could see you know this going good with like grilled chicken or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, well, grilled chicken going it good. But grilled, like you know, get some of that char on there, oh, okay. or maybe some grilled asparagus beside it. You know, that kind of thing. I could see that going with a dish like that. Well, I'm certainly not pouring it out, but it, it's right. If it's, you're looking for a cream ale, it's probably not in that in that mindset mm-hmm. yet. Right. I, I think it's worth a try. Um, oh yeah, I agree. Right, so we have a Mexican lager that you picked up. Let's go there next. Okay, so this one is from El Rio. Or no, it's called El Rio. It's from Maniunk. I think it's pronounced Maniuk, but uh, it's spelled Maniunk with an N. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. 
This is 4% alcohol by volume 19 IBU. The malts that are used are Pils, Vienna, Munich, and Cara Munich. And the hops are Hillertau and Herzbrucker. Pretty classic German. This seems to be a bit of a trend. Mexican lagers. Yeah. It, it's not as exciting as, you know, put your mango in the beer type trend, but... Put the lime in the coconut. No, it, it's true. It's, but I'm seeing a lot more Mexican lagers. I think that there is there's a bit of a comeback of lager styles that we're seeing. Uh, and Mexican lager itself... Um, Relatively easier, easier to make than our lagers because you can do some adjuncts in there, mm-hmm. get it sweeter. Right. No longer are people thinking of lagers as these things that have to be completely, oh, right. just super clean. So, so keep in mind, um, you know, Mexican lagers are also things like Negro Modelo, right? And there's other. There was a, a period of settlement in Mexico of German heritage. Yeah. So there is uh, a culture in parts of Mexico. I don't know enough about the say where or you know, how large. Yeah. But German brewers are there. So German styles had made to Mexico. So things like Vienna lagers uh, aren't completely alien right. in Mexico. And just smelling this one, I, it's, you know, to me it smells something along the lines of Munich or Vienna malt. Oh, yeah. This is big and malty. And the mm-hmm. color is kind of an orange. It's very hazy, and, and it did pour darker than you may expect when you hear Mexican lager. Yes, yeah, kind of orange gold. Yeah, so when I'm smelling, I'm getting a big kind of Vienna type malt, and then there's almost. I want to say I'm smelling corn again or something like that in there. I don't know where the corn is used. Yeah, I'm just trying to tell, go where my nose is leading me. That's interesting. There's a lot of, uh, of flavor going on in here. Um, malty, different, different shades of malt. Some of it is toasty, some of it is a little more caramel. weird. I'm tasting kind of in the city on this one too. Maybe my tongue is just kind of weird tonight. It's not acidic. It's just that there's a lot of different there's a lot of different malts going on there. There is Vienna in there. There's also Munich. There's also Cara Munich. Has a really not. I didn't notice this was the first sip. The first sip, like the CO2 buzzed me, but the second sip got this really velvety mouthfeel. Like not velvety like nitro, but just that the malts were so soft and mm-hmm. round. It made you think of, you know, like a, something malty like, you know, a smooth doppelbock or something like that. You know, just not not the flavors per se, but the, just the way the malt feels. Uh, it was just, it was noteworthy to me. That's why I'm blabbering on about it. This is really good. I'm really enjoying this because there's a lot of different flavors in here. It's also a good drinker. It's nice and sessionable at 4%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every sip I take comes across a little bit different. Yeah. That one was a little more woody to me. So I was getting some things like not necessarily smoke, but uh, I don't know. Uh, 
but it ends pretty crisp and clean, which is really nice about it. So you can yeah. keep getting these different flavors, and then just it, it'll end clean. This is El Rio from Manioc. I would be into more of this. Look, they have a seal on their can. Pennsylvania local. Yes, they do. We just recently did our... Uh, on July 4th, you would have heard us put out the little independent uh, short. Yeah. And that's we just did that. And so now we're noticing on like this Maniac can, they don't have that label, of course, yet. But they do have this Pennsylvania drink local. Which I noticed an Ohio, a similar Ohio logo last week when I was out there. But this is the first time I've seen this Pennsylvania one. So how does that go for like a... Um... But then, you know, Gristhouse has this thing. So I wonder if they're borrowed from the same... What, you should, you should describe it to the people. Yeah, so Gristhouse has a sticker. I stuck it on my laptop. It says, Drink Craft Here. And it has the silhouette of Pennsylvania. And then they also stuck the little Gristhouse logo on there. But... Well, so Pennsylvania, for those who don't know, is kind of a rectangle with a chunk bitten out of it at the end. <laughs> New Jersey ate it. Yeah. No, this is good. Um, it's and it's different from. Okay, so for me, it's it's more estuary and fruity than a Vienna lager. Yep. Uh, and also, it's more malty and estuary than a lot of Mexican lagers I can think of. You know, so this really has kind of a an ale type character to it. Um, Quite drinkable, but it's that yeah. clean and crisp ending yeah, that, yeah. that comes through with the, that gives the lager part too. And I and I guess estuary isn't necessarily anti opposite of lager, right? Right. Yeah. You know, especially when we're doing some of those side by side taste tests of uh, you know different uh, less flavored mass produced lagers <laughs> in St. Louis. Uh, you can really pick out the esters when you're trying different ones like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Right, what's next? I think we bring some hops into this house. Should we look at the shape of hops to come? Sure. So, I just love the name of this when I saw this. The shape of hops to come from uh, the Chimney Creek Brewing Company. This is an Imperial IPA, so we're just jumping right in. 8.5% alcohol volume. Let's see. Jam-packed, that they say, with... Two Row American Barley, Apollo, Newport, Simcoe, Topaz, and Citra. It's one of those ones where the smell fills the room when you're pouring it. Pounder can. Wow. The um, that cream ale, that St. Benjamin's was also at a pounder can. Yep. That smells tooey. In a good way. Polo, Newport, Simcoe, Topaz, and Citra. So not up, up on Newport so much. Oh, yeah. So big, hoppy. It's a little more juicy and orangey than it is the citra, from yeah. the aroma. The citra's coming citrus. in there. Yep. Newport's apparently similar to Nugget or Fuggle. Okay. Definitely smell kind of a nuggety Simcoe backbone mm-hmm. to it. 
Yeah. It, it's mostly like Clementine on the yeah. aroma. And then there is a little bit darker, viney type of aroma. Also that. a considerable malt backbone here that I can smell. There's, mm-hmm. there's a nice sweetness, it seems, to be coming through on the aroma. That's a mouthful. It gives you the malt backbone. Actually, you don't notice the malt backbone at first because it's so juicy hoppy. But then, you know, so it starts out big orange. Then the malt kind of balances it out. It leaves with a moderate bitterness and a little bit more of that herbaceous character from, you know, like the Simcoe and Friends. There's some marketing speak on the back here and trying to parse through. Right. I mean, this reminds me of double IP from the days of old. Yeah, well, they say here, with this IPA, we would not only wanted to make something bitter, hoppy, and mouth-crushing, <laughs> but wanted to try and incorporate some new hot varieties along with some well-known favorites to craft a hop um, that you wouldn't want to put down even after you don't have any taste buds left. Uh, so it, it's, if, if it is crushingly bitter and, and hoppy, then our palates have shifted well beyond well, that crushingness. In comparison to, say, the El Rio, uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely sort of a, bit, a lingering bitterness here. It's, do, it's not... I've only had two sips, but it's not overwhelmingly bitter, but it's definitely... There's a linger. It's not this crisp end mm-hmm. like before. Oh, no, not a crisp end, but... Man, that is a burst, a bright burst of citrusy goodness. That's really good. It's it's a pretty a pretty bright version of a phase two, right? So it's got the phase two hops in that um, orangey, resiny dankness, but it's towards the brighter end of that for the flavor of the hop. Now the bitterness itself is very lingering. But what it does mean is you don't get a lot of onioniness. So yeah. a lot of that sulfur note is kind of tamed away by the orange and the clementine you were talking about. And so in the end, you get this bitter thing on your tongue, but instead of getting a big oniony burst, a big Dorado, for example, uh, you get something more along mm-hmm. the lines of... Uh, well, along the lines of Headhunter, I think, right up front. Yeah, yeah. And then... But a, but a much more lingering bitterness on this one. See, for me, the... I mean, the bitterness is linger, but it's moderate. It's moderate light. I wouldn't call it big. I think that it's kind of restrained. Maybe it's only me. big in comparison to the first yeah, two beers yeah. we had. I'm not, I'm not necessarily arguing with you. I'm just saying for me, it's 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 in line. It's not uh, fatiguing in my palate. It's not laying on my tongue like some of these beers do. pretty good you grabbed some good beers and you were in philly philly i mean i did but i will also say that i went to a good place so mm-hmm. it was you know i was handicapping myself towards being good <laughs> so awesome hey what's that well that's not the fireworks that were going on outside it's not the air conditioning oh i know what this is tell me this is the part of the show where we tell our listeners to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's right. That, that's what we do. We, I they, forgot about that completely. They go there. 
It doesn't cost them a penny more. They get bounced through the Amazon. And our referral is kind of tagged in there. And whatever they buy, part of the cost goes to us instead of Amazon. Oh. Helps support the show. Awesome. Helps buy beers. Buy beers. You know, the beers you bought in Philly. Yes. And the beers that I got, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Support the show. Buy stuff. Every time you every time you start shopping, just go there. So, we're still finishing up because this is it is kind of a mouth wrecker. So <laughs> we're not uh, we're not taking it lightly. Yeah, I mean, this one's what nine and a half, but it is worth your sobriety. I am yeah. liking this beer. It's eight and a half, but yeah, it says nine. It said, oh wow, nine and a half on the their can. website is wrong. No, or the can's wrong. Or the can's wrong. Either way. I'm enjoying this beer. I didn't want to. I didn't want to crush it just to crush it. It's weird. It looked like a label to me, but I tried to pull it, and there is. It's not a label. Or maybe it, shrink wrap thing. You mean? Yeah. See, it even has a even. Let me see. It's 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 certainly a label, but I can't find the spot. No, that's that's on the can. Even when they silk screen it, there's. But no it's designed way. to look like a label. No, no, no. I mean, like, Look, you, you, you'll see that in other cans yeah. too. The so there's this seam down here, yeah, right? Yeah. And here's you see where the bottom part comes down below. Bottom part <laughs> comes down below. Look, I don't see what you're saying. Look, I see the overlap part, but that's yeah, just part of the silk it overlaps. Screen. But here, like, you have the bottom of this silk screen, right? Okay. And then this part here juts out okay. a little bit below. Well, reg- registration on the can wasn't very good when they. Uh, Screen the can. Yeah, it feels. It looks like a label, but it's not. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who made this can. Is this bowl or king? Because like this bicentennial, yep, that's a label. Mm-hmm. This Rio, that's a label. Yep. Her name was Rio, and she dances on the sand. I'm not sure I know what song you're singing. Really? Uh, I mean, you sang it so well. I'm sure it's my fault. Duran Duran, I believe. All right. I finished mine, The Chimney Creek. It was good. I like that a lot. Let's, uh... Let's flush our palate, cleanse our palate real quick with a goza with peppers in it. This one's not too hot. Oh, gusher! Oh, gusher! Well, that's probably not going to taste very good. I had another one of these. It wasn't a gusher. And I think I probably have one more in the fridge. If it is a, if it is spoiled. Let's see. haven't had a gusher like that. It is a Goza, years. so it might not be necessarily bad as a gusher, right? Um, all the sour should have been killed in the boiling process, so the gusher is kind of a weird thing. Okay. See? Just like that river fisting through the dusty land. I was never a fan of Duran Duran. That's my fault. Okay, so not an expected gusher, but it doesn't smell off for a goza. 
It uh, the it's color a bit is cloudy. I think when I had the other bottle of this, it was clearer. Color is red. This is the cherry bomb goza from Flying Dog. I guess we never said what it was. Uh, you may remember we've done a lot of these Flying Dog pepper beers on the show. We had a twelve pack called the Heat Pack, and this is the last one that we have not yet reviewed. Came with three of each beer. Like I said, I drank one. So if this is gross, we could try the other one. Doesn't smell off. It really doesn't. Yours is a lot clearer than mine. There must be some uh, funky funk in the bottom. Hmm. 4.7% alcohol by volume. Wheat and oats are the specialty malts. They also use perlé hops and a German ale yeast. They use sweet cherry and sweet cherry peppers. Okay. Not bad. I actually kind of like it. There's... The fruit adds a bit to the goza. And it gives it Mm -hmm. some nice... um, A nice platform for the rest of the salt. So you're getting three... Oh, like five different things coming together that normally don't come together. Right. You have the wheat and the oats. So you're getting this malt character that you normally don't get in a beer like this. You have the goza part. So you're getting the lactic acid and the salt. You have sweet cherries. Not tart cherries, but sweet cherries. And then you're getting this, you know, moderate pepper bite in there too. Just moderate. I mean, it, it's if you're, it's more than light, but yeah. it's only moderate, right? I still think if you don't like hot things at all, you won't like it because it's it's burning enough that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's burning my gums right now. So it's not like it's not nothing, but it's not overpowering either. It's a nice tingly. They mark this as a. out of 5 on their little thermometer. So it's about halfway hot. Yeah, I kind of dig it, actually. Yeah, it's neat. Um, The pepper lingers a little bit. It gives you a kind of a... See, I don't know these cherry peppers very well. The kind of heat that it's giving you is different than... It's not jalapeno, it's not right. cayenne, it's not Thai chilies. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. Pepper speak. Well, we're not exactly pepper experts, so. Right. Maybe maybe green chilies is closer, like a... I don't know. It, it's, it's it's a fruitier pepper than, uh, than others. It's, it's more along the habanero line in terms of the fruit yeah, yeah. quality that comes through. And then it has kind of... Um, yeah, I think green chilies is like an ancho, or not an ancho, but um, there's little green chilies. Right, little little ones. Um, that's the kind of heat that it has. But then when you have it in the beer, with the CO2 kind of makes the spikes of the burn like a little bit like more like ding, 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 ding. And then the acidicness from the, the goza <clears throat> kind of brightens it up a little bit too. So... Like the the initial uh, the attack of the pepper, kind of 
gets washed off pretty quick, gets scrubbed off by the CO2, but then you get this, the sustained part lingers. Right, the lingering capsaicin. But, but, the, but the attack comes and goes real quick. It doesn't have this long, painful attack. Right, which is nice because the worst peppers are the ones that hit you with a right up front blur and, and a long sustained long right. attack right? right you want but you know where the attack is short and the sustain is kind of mellowed um, those are you know enjoyable this one's neat I, I, the other ones I don't like are the ones that you'd take and oh there's nothing and then all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> it's just thing just starts building and building and building mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, this one definitely seems to to not build. It seems, at least for my heat tolerance, mm-hmm. it, it has that that little zip of pepper. You get this kind of mellow sustain, but then every sip is the same thing. It's not getting bigger and bigger. Which I should point out is one of the things I really like about habanero sculpin is that even though it's kind of it's, it's hotter than this, mm-hmm. it doesn't build. It stays. It gets to a certain point, and it just sort of will stay at that level. And you, you can keep drinking it, and it won't overpower you. It won't go any really higher than that. Yeah. So yeah, I dig this one. This is, I think, probably the best of, of the bunch in terms of the heat. Mm-hmm. Inter- the working in the heat with the beer. What's well, a Goza? Everyone loves Goza. <laughs> Unless you work for uh, Thrillist. <laughs> All right, that was Cherry Bomb Goza from Flying Dog. Now, the next two beers come from basically a blind drop, like straight up on my door. Uh, no note in the in the box. The return address was E.M. Cummings. So I just searched my email for for such a person. And uh, Emot, or Emon, Emon, emailed us like three years ago saying, I love the show. Wow. And then a uh, box of beers show up. Like well, They week. finally showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Emon. <laughs> so yeah, this, these look good. We're really... Uh, I, I was really uh, anxious to try it. I looked at one, I looked at the back, and I was like, uh-oh. And then I kept reading. I was like, oh, okay, even good. Better. So that's this one. Yeah, we'll do this other one first. Kind of work up in strength again. Kind of reset. So this... Uh, can just says NYPA on it, NYPA, and this is from uh, Peakskill Brewery. So, 5.1% alcohol by volume. Uh, it uses honey malt, uh, citra, and mosaic hops. So, we're, we're going down in color. I mean, well, that last one's kind of reddish. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has a, a yellowish color, kind of not quite straw, more a little towards the golden. You have it looks like yours is a little bit uh, more, uh, a little bit more northeastern, more northeastern <laughs> than mine. Right? A little more hazy. So we're going to do a little bit of a blend here. Blend. Thank you. Another pounder can. I don't know anything about Peekskill Brewery other than it's in Peekskill, New York. All I know is they don't have a website. Ten, so five, six, six. In this case, Beer Advocate. They don't have a website? Well, it's I couldn't find it. Yeah, I know, right? Especially but, since they've been around since 2008. That's one thing I know about them. And uh, 
apparently Peekskill is in the Hudson yeah, Valley. Yeah, one of these places that only does their stuff on Facebook or something. Because that's what they recommend in business school. Well, it's the world of craft beer. You don't need a business plan anymore. <laughs> All right. NYPA, NYPA from Peekskill Brewery. So I assume New York PA, New York Pale Ale. This is what they're going for. Yeah. Uh, be my guess. All right, the aroma on this guy kind of label on this one. Yes, you love those shrink wrap labels. I don't know why. I don't know why. You should get a job working the heat gun, shrinking all those labels on the can. Oh yeah, that would pay a lot more than my job, right? All right, so the aroma on this one, you can pick up the mosaic, but in the aroma, it's not. <laughs> Greg, he just sprouted some wings and he's floating around the room. Uh, you can smell smell that kind of mangoey mosaic thing going on. It, it's kind of subdued in this beer, right? This is just a pale ale compared to a double right, IPA but that we just had. It, but you it, can it, smell it, but you're also getting kind of a crackery malt or something, almost like a Ritz cracker or something along those lines. Yeah, and there's a little, a little sulfury note too, which I think is fine. This one has a nice full hop flavor, mm. you know. Coming after all these bigger beers, this one has enough saturation and flavor at five point one percent to still be satisfying, you yeah, know, for a palate. So I, I like, I like the, um, like I said, the saturated nature of this beer on the first sip. I think it's sort of. Uh... It's sort of his lot in life, <laughs> or in or in this series, and it's going to feel less assertive, like you say, it's sort mm-hmm. of less um, punchy. But that's fine for what it's trying to be, which is just a right. pale ale with. And it could have easily tasted empty mm-hmm. or something like that with its spot in the flight. Right. Th- I think it it holds its own, which is what I was trying. Yeah, to yeah, with. for sure, and uh, very drinkable. I had to kind of change my. My palate settings, I suppose, midway through the first sip because it just wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But once I did that, then you know, it doesn't take long to train my palate. These after so long, no, after no, these so, many no, years. no, certainly, certainly, definitely reset from the cherry bomb goza. Mm-hmm. If anything, and and before that, the shape of hop to come, which was right, still a pretty assertive uh, phase too. This is definitely in the phase three range, but you know, not IPA wise. So it's not really going for uh, over hopping and big saturation, the hop flavor. It really is going for sort of a melding of the mango, some of the kind of orangey notes from the citra, with a um, relatively, I wouldn't say it's super super malty, but a uh, relatively strong malt backbone and a lot of uh, viscosity in terms of the you know the, the definitely feels full it's very full bodied this is interesting um, this isn't part of the beer turn around everyone who's drinking a beer bottle or can right now turn around and look at the government warning you notice how the letters are in all capital letters uh-huh. in almost every can or bottle you're looking at that's because there's a minimum height requirement for the letters if you use lowercase letters then you got to use a bigger font overall because the smallest letter has to be so big. I didn't know that. 
these uh, this Peekskill Brewing, their government warning is in upper and lowercase letters. Yeah. You don't see that hardly ever. But it's large enough that... Apparently it's large enough where they snuck one past uh, Battle... I don't, battle isn't battle isn't there anymore. Oh, he's not. No, I think I read the battle left a couple years ago. Oh man, what a shame. <laughs> well, that's why there's all this infighting because battle left, and now they have no no real target. Anyone <laughs> else to fight with? Like, oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I mean, that's why they use all capital letters. For to... those who don't know, there was a guy who was in charge of the the, the FDA is in charge of. It, it was part of the TTB. TTB. Well, it was the A ATF, which turned into right. the TTB or something like that. Right. And he was so responsible you for have all to, labels. You have to get federal label approval for your beer. And believe it or not, as of a couple years ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, every beer label that you've ever seen was approved by one person a federal employee who apparently would work and whatever. his name his name was literally his first name was battle. battle that was his first name and he took after his name well he would he was combative he would he, he would he would let some things you know it would depend if you caught him in a good mood or not i was right. just listening to a podcast talking about uh Judges who grant parole. Oh yeah, and if you're up make for, sure it's, it's it's in the morning, right, and, and, and not right, after lunch. Right, no, no, right after they eat. Right after they eat is good, but in the morning, not, I know. I know that the end of the day is terrible. Well, okay, but the best time would be when th- this study was about when your belly's full. You know, you're like your brain is not worried about where you're going to get your neck. Your your prehistoric brain is not worried about foraging for your next meal, and you're in a better mood, you know, and the, the the stats were kind of staggering about like what percentage of people with uh, parole hearings, judges with full stomachs versus judges with empty stomachs. It's like 60 to 5%, like 60% higher parole rate when the judge is happy versus mm-hmm. like five to 10% when he's hungry. So battle probably the same way. Right? <laughs> well, you figure we all the same, yeah, all yeah. of us the same way. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I, I would suggest that part of the deal is when you are full, you're digesting something. You have less energy, and your brain too. So you're not thinking as much. So you are easier to persuade, easier to. Uh, that's that's. that's Sounds like a reasonable hypothesis. It's kind of the opposite from the hypotheses of the show I was listening to, where it was. When yeah, they're, you're, they're, they're, they're trying to when you're hungry, your brain is preoccupied with where am I going to find my next meal? Because your brain necessarily hasn't evolved to going to McDonald's yet. It's about going. But to why would for, that hurt somebody? Somebody's parole rates. Why is well? It's a subtle thing, you know. It, it's see my hypothesis again, and really kind of more conjecture than anything else. My conjecture is that people are in a more easy to accommodate and less, you know, less just combative mood when they're full because their energy they don't have as much energy in their brain. Uh, so I, I would agree with the first half of that statement where they're 
in a more social, more, you know, less combative mood. I wouldn't say because they have less energy in their brain. I, well, but, but let's get back to the beer. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about this in the post show. Yes, absolutely. Write it down. Yeah, this beer really came around. Once we got kind of palate set for a 5.1% beer with um, decent malt backbone, and it, I, I don't want to call this beer sessionable, but it kind of has... It doesn't have an imperial feel to it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this beer was much less imposing than a 6.5% IPA. There hasn't been a beer tonight that hasn't been drinkable in some way. Right. But I like how this beer was less imposing than a 6.5% IPA, but had a really full saturated flavor yes. of hops and malt. Um, Peekskill Brewery. I, I, I dug that beer. Okay. And the next beer was also a beer in a mystery drop box from Mr. Cummings. Greenpoint Beer and Ale Company. So the thing on the back is a fake <laughs> Trump tweet. Well, the front is... The beer is called Tremendous. Yeah. It has a tie, blue suit, and a little Russian lapel pin. <laughs> I didn't even notice that, but that's great. On the back is a fake Trump tweet, and that's what got me until I realized what it was. Okay. Jeff is reading wait, it now. Wait, uh, hold on, let me in this top part. Yeah. Imperial, uh, the, oh. Read it. Read that. <laughs> All right. The failing green, at Greenpoint Beer should support American hop farmers. Stop funding dumb Australian imports. Bad and sad deal. This is the most tree. Tremendous. Tremendous Imperial IPA ever made. Believe me, I know. Everyone everywhere agrees. <laughs> That's marketing speak I can dig. Um, Serve at 45 degrees. 10% alcohol by volume, which we are serving at a comfortable probably 60 degrees. Uh, Take that, green point. Yeah. We're drinking your beer too warm, and we love it. Uh, look at the untapped. It looks like it's very uh, cloudy. Ooh. Yep. Sure is. We got ourselves a northy a, a nor'easter. <laughs> That's what they should call them. Yeah. That's the other thing that Twitter was losing its brains about this week is what do they call these beers? Josh Noel, Noel from uh, Chicago uh, Sun or works newspaper in Chicago. Sometimes I don't remember. Could be. That's a Tribune. That Tribune. Tribune. And uh, Tribune Review in Chicago. No, just the Chicago Tribune. I think they were both. I think they both had. No, Pittsburgh was the Tribune Review. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, he kind of he has this thing stuck in his crawl about Northeast IPAs or New England IPAs, and he wants a different name. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, there are people thrill us who don't want goes. So, I mean, I like Northeast IPA just like I like West Coast IPA. We talked about that last mm-hmm. time, and it's a fitting. Descriptor for where it came from and describes the style right. you're going to get. Pays homage to the people who innovated it. Right. I, I'm fine with it. He's trying to like push like something like juicy IPA or something like that. 
Is it just, I mean, like, we're not in the West Coast, but we're fine with West Coast IPA, and there are plenty of East Coast places that make West Coast IPAs. I don't see why you have to be against Northeast yeah. IPA. And why does it need a single name anyway? Well, it needs a single name so you can so you can describe it to other people and have and know what you're talking about. That's why math has very specific rules about what is this and what is that. <laughs> That's why you need names. You need descriptors. But we always angle off of those descriptors anyways. Well, absolutely. But the point is, in ideal circumstances, you want to have something to compare it to. And so you want to have some communication between others that everyone can right. agree on. Yeah. So this guy is kind of an orangey, cloudy, hazy mess. Which smells great. <laughs> exactly what I want these days. Yep. Smell is kind of... Can you pass me the thermometer? Thank there you. you go, sir. So yeah, service this is sixty five. So and this also tells me the battery is low. Just so you know, that's like the first time we've replaced the batteries. Yeah, these last a while, but sixty five. So the beer is probably sixty one or so. I'm smelling. For those of you, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but for those of you who are saying, "Oh, that's too too warm," remember your body's around ninety eight. So even 65 is still cold enough that it'll taste, it'll feel relatively cold to your tongue. I mean, we're drinking for maximum evaluation. And it's personal preference. We're not telling you you have to drink IPAs or anything at 60 degrees. Turns out, you know, that's what we're used to, especially when we want to get the most out of the beer. I had... uh, Beer last night when I was watching TV, it was a Dogfish Sea Quench, one of their Berliner Weiss, you know, with the limes. But it was in the, my beer fridge is like 45 degrees, right? But this was in the center back, right where the blower is. So when I pulled it out and poured it and drank it, the thing had to be like 38 degrees. Uh-huh. It like tasted like icicles to me. <laughs> I mean, when you go out to, to a brewery or a, or a bar or something like that, you're likely going to get beer that's going to be around 40 five or lower even and sometimes i'll warm that up with my hands most of the time i try to do a little bit of warming up and by the time you're finished with like a pint Mm -hmm. it's going to be near 52 53 at least all right so the green point the tremendous when i smelled it i was smelling kind of a a little bit of like a simcoe thing where it's a little bit dank but then you know it was kind of like cloudy and yeasty and like you couldn't really get a clean dial in on the aroma but then i took a sip and it's like boom pineapple juice right you're getting this big acidic bite of pineapple juice and very very there's so there's there's i'm gonna guess there's galaxy in here Uh, i wouldn't even know where to start guessing on this one second sip um, you know i'm getting you know it's it doesn't that the first first sip that acidity of like a pineapple juice cocktail really hit me. The second one, it's more mellow, and I'm getting some more things that are a little more meaty, you know, like fleshy, like uh, papaya or maybe. Well, they mentioned Australian. Fruit. I know Galaxy is is one of the Australian okay. ones. Um, Motueke is another one of the Australian ones. So I'm not sure. 
but I feel galaxy. Make sure you're not confusing your Australian and your New Zealand hops. New Zealand is Motueka rings a so like I can't remember, but no, Motueka rings a bell. Well, New Zealand no, the 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 grape one um, is New Zealand. Well, Nelson's Vaughn, yeah, yeah, Nelson's Vaughn is New Zealand. Because you're gonna have Greg McGill really pissed off if you're calling his hops Australian. I can handle Greg. <laughs> no, you can't. No, I can't. Probably so not. Send Alex Probably. After you. Yeah, I know. It'll be two against one, and the only advantage I have is that I cheat. <laughs> we have a great friend of the show, Greg. Yeah, he lives in New Zealand, and uh, his wife Alex, and uh, he's—they were—they were on the show once. Yeah. So they actually came to Pittsburgh. They—they they usually do a, an American vacation once every year or two, and. Uh, a couple years ago, he planned a Pittsburgh leg on his vacation because of us, mostly. It was awesome. It was so great to be able to see him and, and uh, have fun with him here. This is definitely a Northeast to... IPA, my friend. Yes. Juicy. <laughs> so, you know, when Josh wants juicy IPA, I mean, it kind of makes sense on this one. The flavor is super juicy. But without having juices added, right? And I mean that's that's the problem. It's like, well, what do you call a well, rattler? <laughs> you know, or um, sidecar? Any of the cereal sidecar? Yeah, right. Or uh, grapefruit sculpin? You know, because people will argue that's what they want juicy, juiced IPAs right. to be. I'll, I'm good with New England, Northeast, any. I, I don't really care whether it's Northeast or New England. I think Northeast sounds better because it it, ref, it reflects more of a region in terms of like, just like West Coast does. Yeah, but if you're talking about the origin, it's it's then New England might be better, sort of like India parallel. But even though that's not from India, but it's still no. Well, yeah. some Russian imperial stouts aren't from Russia either, so. I should make a beer for a different region. Well, that, that's the thing. There, there is not only the fact that it, it, you know you're looking at how it's going to be compared today, but how does it, how does the name reflect the other beer style names that we have, right? Because it should fit in with that dynamic. The taxonomy, yeah. This is good. And we don't just start naming things in English after we've gotten used to naming things in Latin, right? I don't want to, you know, crush the rest of this beer. I'm going to take my time. So let's move okay. on to ranking. What do you this say? Is, this is a tough one. There's a lot of it's good beers. It's a good tonight. show, my friend. Yes. Only one of them was in a bottle tonight. All right. So. It, it certainly is timely that that new Brewers Association seal is a bottle, huh? Can, can, <laughs> can, 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 bottle. Good point. Okay. And if we did an audit of the, the beers we've done in 2017, I would say over 60%. Have been in cans, maybe as high as seventy percent. Yeah, no, for sure. There's there's a lot more cans than we ever would have thought we'd be having on the show. Yep. Okay, so what was the worst beer of the night? <laughs> to me, the the, the worst <laughs> to beer of the night, and there, and it's not a bad beer, but to me, the worst beer of the night was the Saint Benjamin. And really because I was expecting more out of a cream ale. I was expecting, well, I was expecting a cream ale, something mm. that, that reminded me of cream ales. Uh, didn't really. Uh, it was good anyway, but I think the only reason why I'm dinging it is because, I mean, not the only reason, but 
the major reason why I'm digging it. It just it it, uh, it was too hoppy for me for, for to to work as a cream ale. And uh, in fifth place for me, uh, again, not a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination. None of these are going to be bad. So well, let's get that out of the way now. None of these are bad beer. All these are really good. All these I would drink again. In fifth place, uh, the Nishimini Creek. Mostly because I felt the bitterness just left too, it was just too lingering. So let me put that down here. It was just a too too much lingering bitterness and I wanted more of the, too, a little bit too phase two-ish. I wanted more of, of that hoppiness to come without lingering over overboard. Mm-hmm. So in in Okay. <laughs> in fourth place, uh, I'm going to put uh, a beer that had no problems with it, but I would say was opposite in the sense that one of the good things is it didn't linger. But it was still just, I mean, the other beers, I think, for some for whatever reason, were more interesting to me. So I put the Flying Dog in fourth place. I think the, the beer was, was good. I think it was well done. I really appreciated the execution of the heat in the Flying Dog. Um I guess I was just more in an IPA, a schmood, or something mm-hmm. like that. In third place, the Peakskill NYPA. Uh, I like it. I like what it was giving us. At like you said, not quite sessionable, but close enough to it. Uh, good ale, good pale ale. It had a lot of flavors to it, but I really like a New England pale ale that that, that is in my in my wheelhouse right now. So I'm gonna have to put. The green point in second place, but in first place, huh, really, the Maniac El Rio. I kept having different flavors every time I tasted that. I kept enjoying everything I had with that beer, and it kept being interesting. And then ended, <laughs> and it just went mm-hmm. away. And it was great. I mean, a Mexican lager. Yeah, that was great. All right. For me, uh, my sixth place beer is going to be the Flying Dog, the uh, Cherry Bomb Goza. Again, no bad beers, like Greg said. Hard luck loser in this case. I don't know if it was... I, I For some reason, for me, the, the pepper, because we had such good beers tonight... Mm-hmm. The reason I'm putting that one in last place is because the pepper in the tang and the sour, they they didn't really go hand-in-hand hand super tight to me. It was a fine beer. It was an interesting beer. I didn't love it. I didn't love that combination. Uh, I like peppers. I like sour. I didn't think it brought it together to the level of all these other beers. Then I, in fifth place, I will put the cream ale. The Bicentennial uh, from St. Benjamin's. I like that beer. Uh, I do do not compare it to a cream ale. You'll be disappointed. Yeah. I like the first three quarters of Greg's review. Uh, but if you think of it more like an American take, a modern take on a cream ale, a craft take on a cream ale, then you can kind of see where they're going. Um, they did use cluster hops, but they used more of them. They used them later in the boil, so there's a little bit of flavor or something coming through. Uh, and I, I think it worked. I could definitely see that beer working well with 
like I said, kind of a light grilled meal of sorts, you know, get a little bit of the char on the food. I think that one would go really well paired with food. Then I'm going to take Greg's favorite and put it in fourth place. Uh, the El Rio. I, I Like Greg said, every time you tasted it, you got something different. I, I dug it. I, I liked the um, kind of estuary Vienna type uh-huh. thing that was going on in there. That worked out pretty well. I'm going to have to put the three hoppy beers in the top three seats tonight. I just really thought that these guys were, were bringing it home. Really bring, pulling it on strong. Um, I wish I didn't have to pick favorites. Like, how do I pick favorites? My gut says the Green Point, this Northeast IPA, is, is the best. I think it is. But then this Chimney Creek, while it's a generation or so flavors old, it nailed it. It really killed it. Yeah. And then you got the, the um, Peekskill, the NYPA, which was the little baby brother of these IPAs, but Put up a had a fight. solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a scrapper. It's it's uh, it's like, hey, drink me. You can have two of me for every one of those. Yep. And uh, that's a good argument, actually. <laughs> That's a real good argument. It is a good argument. If you could have 32 ounces of NYPA and only be as drunk as 16 ounces of the other ones, that's a good argument. You'll be a lot fatter, though. Uh, the calories might be equivalent. Yeah. We'll see. Um, okay, so in third place. I like anything that makes you fat, so. Yeah. Third place, I'm going to put the peak skill. I, I think the two big boys deserve a head-to-head throwdown. Uh, bring it on. What's that? Bring it on. Bring it on. And mm, in this quarter, this green point is just, this Trump beer is just too yummy. <laughs> it's too yummy. The Chimney Creek, I loved it. I loved that clementine flavor. Bright oranges had a great mix with all those different hops. But it's just, you know, it has one arm tied behind its back in the battle because, you know, the Greenpoint's using state-of-the-art Australian hops to uh, to win this. It's true. Thing. It's true. It's like it's, it's like Rocky IV, right? The, yeah. Even the, I mean, well, it's the opposite of Rocky IV. He brought a newsie to a knife fight, I mean. Yeah. Delicious. What a show. Okay. What a show. I, I love, this is the first rule of craft beer radio, right? The better the beer is, the better the show. I, I'm feeling like the more apparent the better the show is, is to us. The more we enjoy the show, yeah. But let's just distill that down to the better the show. I'm like on cloud nine right now. I'm like, we killed it. Last week sucked. This week nailed it. <laughs> All right. Craft your radio. 428 shows. You can have a couple of stuff. Is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit uh, craftyourradio.com, which is our website, for more information. If you want to email us, it's beer at craftbeerradio.com. certainly is. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, it's at craftbeerradio. Uh, I'm at Jeff Bear. I'm at uh, CBR Greg. If you want to send us something, go to craftyradio.com. At the very bottom, there's a link for uh, samples. Samples, yeah, go yes, ahead. That, that's exactly that. where to send us stuff. Leave us a note, too, so we know. Join the search of our mail. Yeah, yeah, put, yeah, put a note in the box saying <laughs> where it came from. Make sure <laughs> these beers aren't poisoned. I never knew Greg was such a Duran Duran fan. Just like that river twisting through the dusty land. And when she shines, she